Oh, I didn't even bring my Bible with me, so obviously I wasn't ready. Oh, man. Today is a, uh, it's a great day that we have in the Lord. I, uh, I pray that <clears throat> I pray that we begin to have an ability to uh, to do as I, I guess uh, you know to do as, as what Jesus Christ uh, you know did. Uh, you know, whenever we, whenever we look and we think about Jesus's ministry, uh, you know, Jesus lived for thirty-three years. Uh, you know, but for thirty of those years, he was pretty much unknown, except for by his mom, dad, and his brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, and then he begins his ministry, and as soon as Jesus stepped out into his ministry and he was baptized. We find the scripture tells us that he was then taken into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days and he was tempted by Satan. Uh, you know, Satan throughout the history and throughout Jesus' life, Satan tried his best to deter Jesus Christ in the task and the job that he had prepared for him. Jesus had things come up all around him. He had the leaders of, uh, you know, of God's people, the Israelites, that was actually leading them astray. And they were fighting Jesus and they plotted to kill him. They tried to trap him so that they could get the Roman officers to arrest him and to kill him. And all this time, Jesus stayed true to his path. And I deal with that and I take you there very first thing this morning because it's not in my notes, but we've got to understand this, that there is a specific task for Rock Hill First Church in the Nazarene and we cannot get derailed by little voices off to the side. We cannot get derailed because one person gets sick. We all have to pitch in and we have to stay focused on what God has for us to do. We have to quit being babies and grow up and do what God wants us to do. So whenever we look at that, we're going to go in and we're going to look at the passage of Scripture in this second I am statement that we have. And this statement is, uh, you know, Jesus says, I am the gate to the sheep. In other words, he says there is absolutely no way to get to heaven unless you come through me. That's it and it's just right there. But we're going to break it down because to truly understand where we are, we have to look back at chapter 9. And whenever we look back at chapter 9, we find that there is a man that's born blind. And he was blind from, well, yeah, born blind. So he was blind from birth. Jesus heals him, right? You remember this story? He heals him, but he heals him on a Sabbath. And the Pharisees get all upset. 
And they actually pull this guy in and they want him to confess who healed him. He says, I don't really know. I just know that this man showed up and he told me to, you know, that I, you know, he touched me and healed me. Jesus goes and meets with the guy and he confesses. He says, I'm the one that healed you. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So then the blind man goes to the Pharisees and he says, hey, I know who healed me. Jesus Christ healed me. What did they do? They kicked him out of the synagogues. This is God's chosen people that are supposed to be leading his people to the kingdom of God. He professes that Jesus Christ healed him and they kick him out of the synagogue. That would be just like us if there's a lost person that comes in today and kind of smells a little bad and we kick him out of the church. Do you understand what God's people are doing here? Do you understand that this passage of Scripture, although it's about the Pharisees and the Sadducees kicking them out and they were the leaders, that it talks to us today because as God's chosen people, we are supposed to love the lost. The hospital's for the sick people, not the well people, right? The church is for the lost people, not the saved people, to sit here and get frozen. Yes, we need to come to the church and we need to be fed. And yes, we need to be equipped to be able to go out and to reach the lost. But sitting in these pews is not what we're here for. If that's the only reason why we're here, we're doing exactly like the Pharisees and we're making it almost impossible for the lost people to get saved because they don't find love and they don't find security and they don't find help in God's house. They find judgment in God's house. Wow, there's not a word of that on here. Let's get back to this. Because where we see and where we are whenever we're looking at Jesus Christ being the gate, we have to understand what our task and what our job is. Okay, the Pharisees misunderstood that. And we see here in chapter 9, verse 39, it says, Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they're blind. The ones that think that they see to show them that they're blind. That's the people that sits in the church and cast judgment. That's the people that sit in the church and make it impossible for the lost people to come to Jesus Christ. Because they're not like they are. Because they're broken. We cannot see. The Pharisees, they could not see that they were wrong. They had twisted God's laws and God's rules so much that it was hard enough for them to, you know, to stand by them and to live that life much less the people out in the world. And it became their righteousness, not God's righteousness. Man-made righteousness. Uh, we find in Scripture that Jesus actually asked them about Moses' law with circumcision. 
And yes, we know that God wanted Moses to circumcise and all the Israelites were circumcised and that set them apart. But that was a physical act of what was supposed to be going on inside of their lives. I tell you what, the child had to be of eight years of age, or not eight years, but eight days old before it could be circumcised. If the eighth day landed on the Sabbath, they would circumcise that child. But yet you can't work on the Sabbath day. Jesus was being ostracized and they were searching and getting, trying to get him because he worked on the Sabbath day. You remember the, you know, the, the crippled man that had been sitting at the pool of Bethesda uh, you know, for 30 some odd years? Jesus walks up to him and asks him, do you want to be healed? He says, well, yeah, I want to be healed. And he said, okay, well, get up. Take your mat and walk. He gets up, takes his mat and walks, and the Pharisees get on to him because he's working because he's carrying his sleeping mat. I've just been healed. I can now finally walk, and you're going to get on to me because I'm carrying a mat? Come on. We might think it's funny, but it happens today. Churches, churches are full of the righteousness, or the righteous, but we have lost our way. Now, I, I'm saying we as a lump. There are a lot of people in this church that care for the lost. You know, I hope everyone in this church that's in here care for the lost. And that if someone happens to come off the street that doesn't smell all that good, but he's lost and he's looking for Jesus Christ, we're going to do everything that we can to help him to find it or her. We're not going to let that stand in our way. But the thing about it is, is that once they accept Christ, we then immediately begin to throw things on them that, is, you know, that they just don't understand and they can't handle it. To have a babe in Christ and then to say to them, if you don't tithe, you're not saved. Uh, you know, yes, Scripture tells us we're supposed to tithe, but that is God's task to get to them and to get them to understand that. It's not ours. We have to allow a baby to, obey, to be a baby. And whenever they grow to get milk, then we can start asking more of them and requiring more of them. eventually I will get to the message here. And I, and I told him, I, we prayed this morning because my notes today, for some odd reason, uh, you know, they're five pages long and over 2,000 words. And I haven't got to a one of them yet except for that passage of Scripture that I read to you. Uh, you know, so I'm going to try to rein back here a little bit. Uh, you know, because, guys, uh, you know, whenever we think about this, uh, you know, we are here and our task is to show people the love of Jesus Christ so that they can go to the gate, so that they can enter into heaven. But we make it so difficult for them to get there. We really do. Jesus was all upset with, you know, with, the, uh, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees here. But I want you to know something. That whenever Jesus heard that they had kicked this man out of the synagogues, what did he do? Jesus went and found him. 
It's kind of like one of those things that says, you know, okay, if that group of people don't love you, I do. If they're going to kick you out of the synagogue, that's okay because I'm right here and you can worship me because I'm the true Messiah. I'm the true Messiah that you need to worship. Our key passage of Scripture, let's go ahead and get there. It's, gonna, it's in John chapter 10. It's verses 1 through 10. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the walls of the sheep's, of the sheep's fold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a robber and a thief. But anyone who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come into him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. Then when... They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him or run, run from him because they do not know his voice. Those who hear Jesus use, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand it. Did y'all understand that illustration? I know I had trouble reading it. But did you understand the illustration? So the scripture tells us that they didn't truly understand the illustration that Jesus, that Jesus gave them. They couldn't see. So in verse 7, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep didn't listen to them. Oh, I'll give you that. The true sheep didn't listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. Verse 10. The thief's purpose, thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. To give them a rich and satisfying life. So Jesus gives us this illustration. And if we've read, you know, it's not all too often or it shouldn't be that hard for us to understand really where Jesus is coming from. Because this is not the first time that he has had issues with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. All throughout John, we have these. So I have the verses, and I wrote them down in the, I had Darla put them in the, uh, uh, in the bulletin for you. So in John chapter 7, verse 24, <coughs> they are the men who judge unjustly. In 728, 
uh, there are who are spiritually self-gratified. <clears throat> Man, I'm having trouble with my voice this morning. And they damned their own flock. In chapter 8, verse 33, who are spiritually proud. And we all know that God does not like the you know, pride. 8.44, they're the children, or Jesus calls them children of Satan. 8.45, they are the men who reject the truth. 9.22, men who are spiritually ignorant. 9.34, they are the ones who hate the weak and helpless. And in uh, 7.19 and 8.34, they ultimately reject God's Son. So these are the people that Jesus is talking to, and this is the illustration that they are dealing with, you know, that, that they don't understand the illustration that's been given to them. Now, if this is any issue to you, some 600 years prior to this, Ezekiel in chapter 30, you know, 34, verses 2 through 10, gives us this long dissertation about the Israelites and about their so-called leaders. And it says, the Son of Man prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord the, the Lord God to the shepherds. So he is talking to the leaders of the Israelites. Uh, you know, here, and he says, prophesy to him. And then he says, woe to the shepherds. Do I need to get you there? It says, woe to the shepherds of Israel who find them or who feed themselves instead of your flocks. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butter the, the and butcher the best animal, but you let your flock starve. And he continues going on talking about how they were not handling the, the flocks properly. They were taking the best for themselves, not doing what they were truly supposed to do. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, uh, you know, the farmer that planted the good seed but then there was bad grapes that grew. The bad grapes grew because the bad leaders that was fertilizing and that was tending uh, you know, to the fields that was there. Now, how many of you really know about sheep? Is there anybody here? Anybody? Do we have any shepherds in our flock? Oh, look at this. Thank you so much. So we do, we have a, we have a, a shepherd, per, uh, yeah, people that know about sheep. We know that sheep are not very uh, wise, right? Sheep literally have to be led to water, and they have to be led to the food. Uh, you know, sheep have to be protected. How many of you have watched those vines on Facebook? where you have the little sheep that's scared and it stiffens up and, and falls over. 
Sheeps will do the same thing. They will pass out if you scare them. Their legs will stiffen up and they'll topple over. What about those little sheep now that they have that people are bringing into their house and they actually put clothes and stuff on them? Y'all have seen those? The ones that jump around? How would you like that in your house? They're still funny. They still don't know where their food is. You still have to take them to the food. You still have to take them to the water. They are really vulnerable. So how often do you feel vulnerable? See, Jesus is our shepherd. We'll talk about that next week because he's the gate for us today. But he leads us. He is the only way that we can get to heaven. So whenever we think about this, you know, for us it might be a little strange, but of course for the people that this passage of Scripture was written to, this was their livelihood. You know, it was most probably part of, if not all of their uh, you know, resources as far as income. So we have the shepherds that take their flocks out there. Now, there are some people that were kind of smart in those days, and they had bins and stuff that was made within the city. And you would have several farmers that would bring their flocks in at night, and they would be tended by this gentleman that would be there, and that would be the gatekeeper, that whenever the shepherd came, that he would say, and they would open up the gate, and then he would, uh, you know, he would get his sheep out. And you're like, well, how would they know which sheep is his? Well, uh, you know, believe it or not, back in the 80s, uh, there was an article written about this family in Palestine. And it was a mother and a daughter, and the Israelites' troop went through this town. And because of all of the skirmishes and stuff that was going on on the outsides of this town, they went ahead and they just gathered up all of the sheep and they put them into, a, into one particular bin. And this mother and son came to the commanding officer of that area that was there. And they said, you know, look, this is our livelihood. You know, we get our food, we get our milk from this, you know, from them. We really need these sheep. And he said, well, we have over a hundred of them here. And you're saying that your flock's about 20, 25. He said, there's no way for us to divide yours from theirs. So we can't give you yours because we might give you somebody else's and they'll get all upset. And the woman said, no, wait a minute. We can do this. Just simply open up the gate. So the commanding officer said, okay. So he opens up the gate and her son stands in front of the gate and pulls out this little pipe, musical pipe, and he plays a four or five note little song and keeps playing it over and over and over again. And the commanding officers, you know, he was standing there and all of a sudden these sheep started popping their heads up. And those sheep that popped their heads up made their way to the gate. And they followed this little boy as he continued to play this. And whenever all of them got out, they had 22 sheep that was theirs. And they followed them all the way home. See, we know, or we should know, the voice of the true shepherd. 
But there again, that's next week. Man, I'm giving you a lot of plugs for next week, right? In who he is. Uh, you know, Satan is trying to derail us the same way that he tried to derail Jesus Christ. He wants us to choose the easy way out. Do you realize that whenever the flocks were out into the woods or out into the wilderness, that at nighttime the way that they would protect them was that they had a wall that was built out of stones that was somewhere around two or three feet in height and they had thorny branches and stuff that was laid across the top of that so that nothing would be able to jump over the top of it and be able to get in without getting some type of a scratch or getting some type of an injury and then the shepherd would lay down in front of the entrance if it wasn't the shepherd that was laying down in front of the entrance, he would literally get thorn bushes and place them in front of that entrance. But he made sure that the flock was in behind that wall to be protected. And Jesus Christ, as the gate, does that for us. If we listen to him and we enter in in the proper way, we have salvation. If we do not, then we would be considered a thief and a robber, and that is a sin. So therefore, if we come in or try to get into heaven any other way than through Jesus Christ, we're not going to get there because sin can't get into heaven. But the passage of Scripture tells us that if we come in the right way, it says if we enter into heaven through Jesus Christ, that we then have the ability to come and go as we please. Don't mistake that the Scripture is telling us that we can come in and out of heaven as we please. We can be a Christian today and we can be a non-Christian tomorrow. Or we can go back into the safety of Jesus Christ today, but we can leave out of it tomorrow. What it's saying is, is going to and fro is, is that we have this lavish lifestyle that we live freely through Jesus Christ, that the abundance and the freedom of this world is ours because of His safety that He provides for us. We come to and fro. But it says that we are led into pastures. We get the good stuff. Because he has good for us. He wants us to have the best. He wants us to be provided for. After all, it's all His, right? See, whenever we look into this and we see Jesus as the gatekeeper and, and the only way that we can get to heaven, if we do not enter in through the gate, through Jesus Christ, we will face death. We will face a physical death, we will face a spiritual death, and we will face 
and eternal death. The only way that we can have life is by entering in through the gate of Jesus Christ. The only way that we can have spiritual life is by entering in through the gate, which is Jesus Christ. The only way that we can have a life of eternity is through Jesus Christ, the gate. That is the only way that we can have it. Before Jesus Christ, we were lost in our flesh and lovers of the world. Through Jesus Christ, we are justified. Before Christ, we were subject to God's wrath. In Jesus Christ, we are filled with his peace. Before Christ, we were identified with Adam. In Christ, we are identified with the death of Jesus Christ. Before Christ, we possessed only Adam's fallen nature. In Jesus Christ, we possess the Holy Spirit. In us, filling us leading us, guiding us, directing us. But it's only if we enter in through the gate. It's only if we truly believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This morning we look at this passage of Scripture and, and, we, and we hear all of these things. And I, I hope, I pray that you understand where I am or where we should be. Because as the ones that have entered in through the gate, it is our responsibility to bring others to the gate. It is our responsibility because of what Jesus Christ has done for us to bring others to that exact same place. But if we have walked in through Jesus Christ, but then we have walked out and left Christ there. We will experience a physical death, a spiritual death, and an eternal death. The only way is that if we remain within the gate, that we remain within Jesus, and the Holy Spirit remains in us. 
doesn't mean that we live a perfect life, but it means that we live a life that we are trying to accomplish the task that God has before us. And it's a life that we live with a life and a heart that is bent towards God, towards doing His work and being the people and the thing and doing the things that He has for us to do. Is it easy? No. Because Satan is out there trying to destroy every good work that has ever been done. It says that the robber and the thieves come to do nothing but to kill, steal, and destroy. And we all know that the robbers and the thief is, you know, is Satan. What he has for us and what God has for us is a life of abundance. A life of love. I guess it's, we have to be what God's called us to be as, as the church and as individuals. And I'm going to say this because I have to get it off my chest. This first Sunday in March, some of y'all were here. We had 126 people that was here. Largest crowd that we've had in several weeks, several months. But the number really didn't impress me. What impressed me was is that we had five brand new people that had never came to this church. First time to walk into the doors of this church. I praised God and I thank God for that. The next week, we had 92. If that is not Satan battling, then I don't know what it is. I have dealt with more conflicts in the last seven days than I did in the first three years. Or two years of me being here. If that is not Satan fighting us. To keep us from doing what he truly has for us to do. We have to see things for what they are. And yes, I'm going to say it again. We have to quit being babies. And allowing other people's words to hurt our feelings to where we don't come back into the church. If Jesus Christ stopped his mission the first time someone said something bad about him, he wouldn't have gotten very far. 
one of his 12, one of the men that was the closest to him, teaching him, Jesus teaching them, betrayed him. Before that, Peter rebuked him. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Literally called one of his close followers, Satan. But he never lost track of the task that his father had before him. Jesus Christ is the true gate. The only way to heaven is through him and having a relationship with him. Knowing his voice, listening and hearing what he has for us to do. But then we have to follow it. Those sheep, whenever they got out of that pen and they heard that flute playing, if they didn't follow it, what was out there waiting for them? Wolves. Death. We have to follow what he has for us to do. If it doesn't look like what you want, are you going to complain to Jesus? Or are you going to keep following him? All of this has a simple point. And I've said it several times and I'm going to go right back to it and I'm going to stop. Jesus Christ is the gate. There is no other way to heaven except for through Him. Confessing Him as your Lord and Savior. Asking for forgiveness of your sins. Following and listening to His voice. If we don't do that, if we don't do it, we will experience a physical death, a spiritual death, and an eternal death. So there you have it. So the altar call is really simple this morning. And it's going to be really short. So I'm going to go ahead and have you to stand. If you have not entered in through the gate, this morning is your opportunity. If you have not professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, ask for forgiveness of your sins, professed Him as the Son of God, followed in the steps that He has for you, the altar is open for you this morning. If you've done that, but then you've walked back out of His protection. And you're not living the life that He has for you to live. This morning, the gate is standing right here for you. And He says, enter in. Enter in. Let's bow our heads.
Every head bowed and every eye closed. Don't think about the person next to you. Don't think about the one behind you. Search your heart. Don't think about the words that the preacher said that rambled on around. Think about, do you know Jesus Christ? Are you living the life that he truly has for you? That's the question this morning. Jesus Christ is the gate. Have you entered in through him? This message isn't for your buddy, for your cousin, for your aunt, for your uncle. It's for you because you're here. I, I am struggling. I've heard your message, and I'm struggling, but I'm not quite there yet. If you're there, if that's you, raise your hand, and I'll pray for you. I see that hand. Are there others? I see that. I see that hand. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this this morning. God, I thank you that you have the ability to take these jumbled words and put them into place in people's hearts. And God, that they would receive what you have for them. God, I pray for the ones that lifted their hands. God, I pray that you would work in their lives. God, I pray, dear Lord, that they would enter into your gate. They would trust wholly in you. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom. God, I pray that you would be with everyone that is here today. God, that your words would encourage them today. In Jesus' name, amen.